Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at the top of the page for online edition, you will see on the drop-down the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there's also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 8, Judgment and the Authority Problem. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause to touch in with our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 33, There is Another Way of Looking at the World. Okay, well, this is where I usually ask Lori to bring a poem, but she delivered it early to me, so uh, I will read the the poem that she she sent me this days ago. And and just note that Lori is at the dentist this morning, planned visit, and uh, she... Should be back and able to talk um, at this time of day next week. Okay, so um, the poem <clears throat> is Awareness is the Fire. When you open the door and invite awareness in with conviction and totality, you are inviting a fire of love. The fire wants to burn everything. It will travel through your life, should you allow it, finding everything stuck and dark, everything unresolved and unloved, and it will shine its light on them. Awareness seeks itself. Love seeks itself. It will go deeper and deeper. And if you are lucky and courageous, you will find your existential wound, the core of you. It will bring wisdom and great insight and the resolution of human angst. That is real freedom. But you must keep saying yes to this awareness as it travels through your life. Yes, this also, this also, this also.
Oh, thank you for that. I guess you're done. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Who wrote yeah. that? Um, it's, we have the name Kaviji, which is, uh, <laughs> it's actually almost like a generic term for the, in Sanskrit for the spirit of poetry. Um, I, I think it might be a Moda Ma's uh, significant other. No, oh, okay. Um, his yeah, name is good. yeah. His name is Kavi Jesse Hockaday. Oh, um, but <laughs> thanks, Kavi Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. So uh, yeah, I was I found him through. Omoda Ma's um, website. Ah, okay. Uh, but uh, Lori gave me the poem. <laughs> the question of, I'm not sure who that really is. So it may be his, it may be someone else's. When I search, there are many poets that um, have used the name Kabi or Kabi G. Okay, well, this morning, <clears throat> with us in reading, I have Fran, Jessica, Karen, Robin Marie. And with us in listening, I have Judy, Claire, and Lana. Is there anyone else I've missed or... Uh, has joined the call and would like to say good morning or join the reading list. Good morning. <clears throat> Wendy's listening. Morning, Wendy. Welcome. Thanks, Lemoyne. Good morning. Patricia here, available to read. Thank you. All right, Patricia. Thank you. Um, for my sanity, I'll put you after Jessica on the reading list. Thank you. Anyone else like to say good morning? Okay. I'll get us started then with today's reading. In Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 8, Judgment and the Authority Problem. We have already discussed the last judgment in some, though insufficient, detail. After the last judgment, there will be no more. This is symbolic only in the sense that everyone is much better off without judgment. When the Bible says, judge not that ye be not judged, it merely means that if you do judge the reality of others at all, you will be unable to avoid judging your own. The choice to judge rather than to know was the cause of the loss of peace. Judgment is the process on which perception, but not 
not cognition rests. i read that again. Judgment is a process on which perception, but not cognition, rests. We have discussed this before in terms of the selectivity of perception, pointing out that evaluation is its obvious prerequisite. And Fran? Section 8, Judgment and the Authority Problem. We have already discussed the last judgment in some, though, insufficient detail. After the last judgment, there will be no more. This is symbolic only in the sense that everyone is much better off without judgment. When the Bible says, quote, judge not that ye be not judged, unquote, it merely means that if you judge the reality of others at all, you will be unable to avoid judging your own. The choice to judge rather than to know was the cause of the loss of peace. Judgment is the process on which perception, but not cognition, rests. We have discussed this before in terms of the selectivity of perception, pointing out that evaluation is its obvious prerequisite. 62. Judgment always involves rejection. It is not an ability which emphasizes only the positive aspects of what is judged, whether it be in or out of the self. However, what has been perceived and rejected or judged and found wanting remains in the unconscious because it has been perceived. One of the illusions from which man suffers is the belief that what he judged against has no effect. This cannot be true unless he also believes that what he judged against does not exist. He evidently does not believe this, or he would not have judged against it. It does not matter in the end whether you judge right or wrong. Either way, you are placing your belief in the unreal. This cannot be avoided in any type of judgment because it implies the belief that reality is yours to choose from. Thank you, Fran. And Jessica. 62. Judgment always involves rejection. It is not an ability which emphasizes only the positive aspect of what is judged, whether it be in or out of the self. However, what has been perceived and rejected or judged and found wanting remains in the unconscious because it has been perceived. One of the illusions from which man suffers is the belief that what he judged against has no effect. This cannot be true unless he also believes that what he judged against does not exist. He evidently does not believe this, or he would not have judged against it. It does not matter in the end whether you judge right or wrong. Either way, you are placing your belief in the unreal. This cannot be avoided in any type of judgment because it implies the belief that reality is yours to choose from. You have no idea of the tremendous relief and deep peace 
that comes from meeting yourselves and your brothers totally without judgment. When you recognize what you and your brothers are, you will realize that judging them in any way is without meaning. In fact, their meaning is lost to you precisely because you are judging them. All uncertainty comes from a totally fallacious belief that you are under the coercion of judgment. You do not need judgment to organize your life, and you certainly do not need it to organize yourself. In the presence of knowledge, all judgment is automatically suspended, and this is the process which enables recognition to replace perception. Thank you, Jessica. And Patricia. 63. You have no idea of the tremendous relief and deep peace that comes from meeting yourselves and your brothers totally without judgment. When you recognize what you and your brothers are, you will realize that judging them in any way is without meaning. In fact, their meaning is lost to you precisely because you are judging them. All uncertainty comes from a totally fallacious belief that you are under the coercion of judgment. You do not need judgment to organize your life. And you certainly do not need it to organize yourself. In the presence of knowledge, all judgment is automatically suspended. And this is the process which enables recognition to replace perception. 64. Man is very fearful, very fearful of everything he has perceived, but has refused to accept. He believes that because he has refused to accept it, he has lost control over it. This is why he sees it in nightmares or in pleasant disguises in what seem to be his happier dreams. Nothing that you have refused to accept can be brought into awareness. It does not 
follow that it is dangerous, but it does follow that you have made it dangerous. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And Karen. 64. Man is very fearful of everything he has perceived, but has refused to accept. He believes that because he has refused to accept it, he has lost control over it. This is why he sees it in nightmares and in pleasant disguises in what seem to be his happier dreams. Nothing that you have refused to accept can be brought into awareness. It does not follow that it is dangerous, but it does follow that you have made it dangerous. 65. When you feel tired, it is merely because you have judged against, excuse me, when you feel tired, it is merely because you have judged yourself as capable of being tired. When you laugh at someone, it is because you have judged him as debased. When you laugh at yourself, you are singularly likely to laugh at others, if only because you cannot tolerate the idea of being more debased than they are. All of this does make you feel tired because it is essentially disheartening. You are not really capable of being tired, but you are very capable of wearying yourself. The strain of constant judgment is virtually intolerable. It is a curious thing that any ability which is so debilitating should be so deeply cherished. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Um, okay. I, tell me if you can hear me because it's hailing a little bit on my car. You're um, clear and and I don't okay. hear any thumping. <laughs> 65. When you feel tired, it is merely because you have judged yourself as capable of being tired. When you laugh at someone, it is because you had judged him as debased. When you laugh at yourself, you are singularly likely to laugh at others, if only because you cannot tolerate the idea of being more debased than they are. All of this does, does make you feel tired because it is essentially disheartening. You are not really capable of being tired, but you are very capable of wearying yourself. The strain of constant judgment is virtually intolerable. It is a curious thing that any ability which is so debilitating should be so deeply cherished. 66. Yet, if you wish to be the author of reality, which is totally impossible anyway, 
you will insist on holding on to judgment. You will also use the term with considerable fear, believing that judgment will someday be used against you. To whatever extent it is used against you, it is due only to your belief in its efficacy as a weapon of defense for your own authority. The issue of authority is really a question of authorship. When an individual has an, quote, authority problem, unquote, it is always because he believes he is the author of himself, projects his delusion onto others, and then perceives the situation as one in which people are literally fighting him for his authorship. This is the fundamental error of all those who believe they have usurped the power of God. Thank you, Robin Murray. And is there a new reader for uh, 66 and 7? New reader for 66 and 67? I'll read. This is Wendy. Okay, Wendy. Yet if you wish to be the author of reality, which is totally impossible anyway, you will insist on holding on to judgment. You'll also use the term with considerable fear, believing that judgment will someday be used against you. To whatever extent it is used against you, it is due only to your belief in its efficacy as a weapon of defense for your own authority. The issue of authority is really a question of authorship. When an individual has, quote, an authority problem, it is always because he believes he is the author of himself, projects his delusion onto others, and then perceives the situation as one in which people are literally fighting him for his authorship. This is the fundamental error of all those who believe they have usurped the power of God. 67. The belief is very frightening to them, but hardly troubles God. He is, however, eager to undo it, not to punish. His children but only because he... Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. (laughs) I ended the sentence too early. He is, however, eager to undo it, not to punish his children, but only because he knows that it makes them unhappy. Souls were given their true authorship, but men preferred to be anonymous when they chose to separate themselves from their author. The word, quote, authority... Unquote, has been one of the most fearful symbols ever since. Authority has been used for great cruelty because, being uncertain of their true authorship, men believed that their creation was anonymous. This has left them in a position where it sounds meaningful to consider the possibility that they must have created themselves. Thank you, Wendy. 
And is there another new reader for 67 and 68? Another new reader? Okay, back to you, friend. 67. The belief is very frightening to them, but hardly troubles God. He is, however, eager to undo it, not to punish his children, but only because he knows that it makes them unhappy. Souls were given their true authorship, but men prefer to be anonymous when they chose to separate themselves from their author. The word authority, quote, unquote, has been one of their most fearful symbols ever since. Authority has been given, has been used for great cruelty because being uncertain of their true authorships, men believe that their creation was anonymous. This has left them in a position where it sounds meaningful to consider the possibility that they must have created themselves. 68. The dispute over authorship has left such uncertainty in the minds of men that some have even doubted whether they really exist at all. Despite the apparent contradiction in this position, it is in one sense more tenable than the view that they created themselves. At least it acknowledges the fact that some true authorship is necessary for existence. Thank you, Fran. And Jessica? 68. The dispute over authorship has left such uncertainty in the minds of men that some have even doubted whether they really exist at all. Despite the apparent contradiction in this position, it is in one sense more tenable than the view that they created themselves. At least it acknowledges the fact that some true authorship is necessary for existence. Only those who give over all desire to reject can know that their own rejection is impossible. You have not usurped the power of God, but you have lost it. Fortunately, when you lose something, it does not mean that the quote something has gone. It merely means that you do not know where it is. Existence does not depend on your ability to identify it, nor even to place it. It is perfectly possible to look on reality without judgment and merely know that it is there. Thank you, Jessica. And Patricia? Excuse me, my, my page turned. What, what um, paragraph? Um, 6970. Oh, there we go. 69... Only those who give over all desire to reject can know that their own rejection is impossible. You have not usurped the power of God, 
but you have lost it. Fortunately, when you lose something, it does not mean that the something has gone. Fortunately, when you lose something, it does not mean that the something has gone. It merely means that you do not know where it is. Existence does not depend on your ability to identify it, nor even to replace it. It is perfectly possible to look on reality without judgment and merely know that it is there. Seventy. Peace is a natural heritage of the soul. Everyone is free to refuse to accept his inheritance. But if he is not free to establish what is, everyone is free to refuse to accept his inheritance. But he is not free to establish what his inheritance is. The problem which everyone must decide is the fundamental question of authorship. All fear comes ultimately and sometimes by way of very devious routes from the denial of authorship. The offense is never to God, but only to those who deny him, to deny his authorship, is to deny themselves the reason for their own peace, so that they see themselves only in pieces. This strange perception is the authority problem. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And Karen. Stephanie, peace is a natural heritage of the soul. Everyone is free to refuse to accept his inheritance but he is not free to establish what his inheritance is. The problem which everyone must decide is the fundamental question of authorship. All fear comes ultimately and sometimes by way of various devious routes from the denial of authorship. The offense is never to God, but only to those who deny him. To deny his authorship is to deny themselves the reason for their own peace so that they see themselves 
only in pieces. This strange perception is the authority problem. 71. There is no man who does not feel that he is imprisoned in some way. If this is the result of his own free will, he must regard his will as if it were not free. Or the obviously circular reasoning involved in his position would be quite apparent. Free will must lead to freedom. Judgment always imprisons because it separates segments of reality according to the highly unstable scales of desire. Wishes are not facts by definition. To wish is to imply that willing is not sufficient. Yet no one believes that what is wished is as real as what is willed. Instead of, quote, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, unquote, they, quote, will ye first the kingdom of heaven, unquote. And you have said, quote, I know what I am. I will to accept my own inheritance, unquote. Thank you, Karen and Robin Murray. Seventy-one. There is no man who does not feel that he is imprisoned in some way. If this is the result of his own free will, he must regard his will as if it were not free, or the obviously circular reasoning involved in his position would be quite apparent. Free will must lead to freedom. Judgment always imprisons because it separates segments of reality according to the highly unstable scales of desire. Wishes are not facts by definition. To wish is to imply that willing is not sufficient. Yet no one believes that what is wished is as real as what is willed. Instead of, quote, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, unquote, say, <coughs> quote, will, you, will ye first the kingdom of heaven, unquote. And you have said, quote, I know what I am, and I will to accept my own inheritance, unquote. Thank you, Robin Murray. And uh, just a short time before the top of the hour. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that I could potentially say about this, but let me just do a very brief recap here. From 63... You have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourself and your brothers totally without judgment. When you recognize what you and your brothers are, you will realize that judging them in any way is without meaning. 
in fact, their meaning is lost because you are judging them. Only those who give over all desire to reject can know that their own rejection is impossible. You have not usurped the power of God, but you have lost it. Peace is a natural heritage of the soul. Everyone is free to refuse to accept his inheritance, but he is not free to establish what his inheritance is. Instead of, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, say, will ye first the kingdom of heaven? And you have said, I know what I am, and I will accept my own inheritance. And, uh, I think that leads us right to the top of the hour. So I ask that you give your attention to Fran as she leads us in the lesson for the day. Lesson 33. There is another way of looking at the world. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook. And today, we are on Lesson 33. There is another way of looking at the world. And I shall read the lesson, and then we'll go do our five-minute practice um, based on the lesson. Okay, Lesson 33. There is another way of looking at the world. Today's idea is an attempt to recognize that you can shift your perception of the world in both its outer and inner aspects. A full five minutes should be devoted to the morning and evening application. In these practice periods, the idea should be repeated as often as you find profitable, though unhurried applications are essential. Alternate between surveying your outer and inner perceptions, but without an abrupt sense of shifting. Merely glance casually around the world you perceive as outside yourself. Then close your eyes and survey your inner thoughts with equal casualness. Try to remain equally uninvolved in both and to maintain this detachment as you repeat the idea throughout the day. The shorter exercise periods should be as frequent as possible. Specific application of today's ideas should also be made immediately when any situation arises which tempts you to become disturbed. For these applications say, there is another way of looking at this. Remember, to apply today's idea the instant you are aware of distress. It may be necessary to take a minute or so to sit quietly and repeat the idea to yourself several times. Closing your eyes will probably help in this form of application. 
Lesson 33, There is Another Way of Looking at the World. Five minutes.
Now I'm going to read the paragraph from the review of 33. There is another way of looking at the world. Since the purpose of the world is not the one I ascribe to it, there must be another way of looking at it. I see everything upside down, and my thoughts are the opposite of truth. I see the world as a prison for God's Son. It must be then that the world is really a place where he can be set free. I would look upon the world as it is and see it as a place where the Son of God finds his freedom. Lesson 33, there is another way of looking at the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. That was lovely. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is RJ. I just love going deeper into these lessons. I was on an earlier conference call before this one, and I'm really enjoying being honest about the amount of deep rage and hatred that it keeps on rising to the surface. Just like the Course in Miracles always uh, says that the slightest annoyance is intense rage. And I do believe that's part of the whole duality of this experience down here is that for some reason we had this tiny mad idea that we could be everything opposite of love, which then includes murderous thoughts, I mean anger thoughts, murderous thoughts, the thought that we could murder God and somehow still survive, I think that's the, probably the most laughable idea. But um, I'm fascinated by the idea that I've been to many Course in Miracles study groups, um, you know, for a while, for many, actually for many years off and on. And um, perhaps it's my judgment, but I think it's my assessment that very few people really want to admit their murderous rage or want to go deep into honesty about their deep, 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 bitter hatreds. It seems like in most of the study groups that I've been involved with, people just barely want to scratch the surface and a great deal of fear comes up when the topic comes up. Nevertheless, I understand it can be a very dangerous topic, fear, anger, murderous thoughts, anger, rage. So I'll leave it at that. But for me, my only healing is being honest about all the rage that sometimes rises to the surface. And thankfully, I don't act on it. And I'm, I doubt I'll ever be in jail, but I do have a lot of compassion for our brothers and sisters that did choose to act on anger and ended up in jail, sometimes even for life. So, And they're, they're an aspect of us. 
And so if one of my brothers is in jail, I'm in jail. With that, I'm complete. Oh, thank you, RJ. Thank you, RJ. That was really powerful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, RJ. Good for you, RJ. Bravo. Yes, I um, I got to agree with with you, RJ. Um, one of the that was one of the first phrases in the course that captivated my attention. That um, you know, in projecting anger and hate upon the world, that that it's all projected. And if I'm projecting it, that's what I will see. That perception beholds what I wish to see because it's in my mind. And if I'm seeing if I'm seeing hate in the world, it's because I'm projecting it there to validate it in myself. That you know, my only my own thoughts can hurt me. Only my own thoughts create an image of myself in my own mind. That if I create an image you know, this this is so subtle and it and it's so intimate on um, the self-inquiry. Who, it, who am I? Am I as God created me? And this refers to what we read in the text today. Either I am and accept and acknowledge that I am purely mind and spirit as God created me, and I am limitless and free. Now, I can't be that and be a body, too. So the the discernment is in accepting what the early lessons te- are trying to teach me, that all, the per- all that can be perceived, that I can perceive thoughts, that I can perceive images in my own mind. I'm the knower of thoughts and images as reflections of the world, that all thoughts that I've had are from past thoughts, past things that I've heard through my body's sense of hearing and all images that I see in my mind. And this is through memory. This is how subtle it is that I have to be aware that my that the mind holds these memories as the continuity of a self-image that I've made. So when I do the lesson, I do it with the specific intent of of letting go of, of what I thought about myself, my body, my, my house, everything that I see, and that I can see it differently, that I can, there's another way of looking at it. And it speaks to me of vision. I can see through Christ's eyes and see everything as holy and one, forgiven, totally without any judgment from what Judy's heard through words, learned from yesterday or images she's seen which are all perceptions used through the body which is an instrument of perception the senses are the the how does the course put it the senses are the ma- 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 machines of illusion that this is an illusion illusory sense of reality, which is in conflict with God being the authority 
that we're saying this is real and this is true, and the, the vision and the holy instant and the holy relationship, restoring our mind to the awareness of our holiness and our wholeness and completion and oneness is the correction, is the miracles, the means, miracles being the means for the correction of our misperceiving ourselves as body in, in a temporary time and space kind of reality, that this is what we made. God did not create the world. God did not create the body. The Course is very clear in, in making the distinction between these two senses of our reality. Now, when we purify our perceptions without the personal distortions of the belief that I am, I am, I believe what I think. If I don't believe what I think about who I think I am, and the Course is so clear about this too, even in the earliest lessons, you're not who you think you are. What you think you think is true is not true. These are very simple statements, but in order to really understand them, we have to look at our thoughts and how we think we are, who we think we are, and how our fixed and false beliefs about them is what creates the suffering. It's our identification to the mind that believes these things are true. And it's not the, 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 the thoughts that are the problem, it's our identification with them. <laughs> I can think I'm a body all I want. But is it true? Do I understand what is the truth about me? And affirming the truth in my mind and then seeing the world through those eyes instead of projecting my mistaken belief about myself. I'm a body and seeing everybody else as a body. And this is what causes conflict. Separate minds, separate wills, separate interests, different interests unshared, uncommon, ununiversal kinds of interest for peace, for happiness, for cooperation, for, for healing. You know, right mind leads to right thinking and right seeing. And it's, um, it's, it's so clear, it's become so clear that this honest, Honest, looking inward to see through God's eyes into Judy's mind that what she thinks are merely temporal, time-based, past and future, me and other kind of thoughts. That's where the separation happens. I don't look at the world and say, oh, the world, world's separating me from it. I'm separating myself by my perceiving it the way I'm perceiving it. Because I don't see everything as every as everything as being a part of me in my wholeness and completion. I'm seeing it from a separatist point of view. There's another way of looking at the world. Through the I am the I am the light that projects everything. And by my, the light of my awareness, everything I see is a part of me. Nothing is a part of me because I am not the body. I, I am mind, purely mind and spirit. 
And this is the knowledge of I am. I am purely mind and I am purely spirit. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Good morning, it's Lana. Um, it's a, it was a really powerful reading today in the lesson too. It's um, you know I can I can look within and imagine what would this world be like? What would my life be like without judgment? <laughs> and um, and in truth, <clears throat> that's who I am. I I am in in truth I am. A pure and innocent spiritual being. Um, my humanity is still kind of catching up to that idea, but um, through practice makes progress. <laughs> but <clears throat> when I think of the world in projection, you know, you got to think of like over seven billion people all projecting their fear, their fears upon the world. No wonder. Is it any wonder why the world seems fearful? Um, but individually, you know, I I can choose differently. I can um, remember who I am. And because every part is the whole, and the whole is every part, it's, it's like seeing the one and the many and the many and the one, and it's coming to a place of unity. Um, I can't um, perceive the truth as long as I'm functioning from uh, a a separated point of view, just like you were saying, Judy, um, I have to join. You know, I have to join with God. I have to join with um, my brothers and sisters. You know, miracles are shared between brothers, and in truth, everything is shared because everyone recognizes their wholeness and completion in God. And when I forget that, you know, Jesus uh, uh, teaches me about forgiveness. You know, it's it's like seeing beyond the seems to be, all the seems to be, and questioning my perception. Just in questioning my perception, I open up that possibility that there's another way of seeing. There's another way to be in the world, but not of the world. You know, as Jesus walked upon the earth, he was in the world, but he was not of the world. And um, and I think uh, uh, that is my goal, you know, to just be the love that I am, just extend that love. And... Um, share that love and just leave all outcomes to God. You know, Saint Augustine said, "Love and do what you want." You know, if you come from a place of love, then um, if you're coming from a place of love, then your behaviors will be appropriate. Um, you don't have to worry about that. Um, if I'm coming from a place of judgment, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going 
to imprison myself and um, and take my brothers along with me. You know, nobody likes to be in prison. But um, if I just, um, you know, Jesus once told me that just beyond my greatest fear is the peace of God. And ego will say, run, be very afraid. And spirit tells me, walk through it with me and I'll show you it's not real. You know, I have to hold that idea in my mind that what I see are distortions of reality. And if uh, that is, if I'm not at peace, what I'm seeing are distortions of reality. And, you know, to um, the ego mentality, that may make no sense at all. And it's only by taking that truth and applying it to my life will I receive, will I experience its truth and know of its truth. And then understanding <laughs> becomes an obsolete idea because I'll have an inner knowing of it. And, and that's been proven to me so many times over the years uh, practicing A Course in Miracles. You know, when I take the concepts out for a test drive and apply them in my life, I see their effects, and I see the evidence and the validity of just about everything Jesus teaches me in this course. So, um, uh, so I, I think that's all I wanted to share right now. So, thank you for listening. I'm complete. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Good, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Lana. I especially liked the part where you said, um, I forget, you said something, somebody saint <laughs> said uh, that if you're doing things out of a place of love, which we're willing to do, then you just do what it is. You don't have to be uh, judgmental about yourself. Oh, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Because some the actions that you do out of love are always the right ones. So I really like that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Robin Marie, because I, you know, I see that as. <clears throat> You know, it's really, it is part of this authority problem that um, if God's will is is our perfect happiness for us, and that one of the ways in which I think it's I think it's framing of the acceptance of the atonement is the alignment with that will 
there is this tremendous release in the in the real freedom in the alignment of the will that wills first the kingdom of heaven. You know, the ego may speak first, but <laughs> the will first in in our heart can be um, towards greater acceptance and joining. I I see in 64, I mean, this is a real root of fear, is our refusal to accept. And so, yeah, I want to return to you, RJ, and say, yeah, I commend you for for accepting that you have this buried rage, right, that at some point in the past got stuck down in the unconscious and is coming up. Um, but I think the book... The way to actually get the healing is not re-repression or some kind of diffusion into uh, a uh, mild irritation, <laughs> but to accept that this is something that um, I believe is necessary. You know, at some point I believed it was necessary either to escape it or to hide it or to but also that it's necessary as a response to something right and so this next sentence in 64 says he believes that because he has refused to accept it he has lost control over it and this is the thing where it goes into the unconscious and then it pops out and seems to control us but it it also works the other way that uh, we believe that because we've lost control over some aspect of ourself that that is because we have refused to accept it that the answer is an acceptance that this is this is happening and i think the frame of the authority or really better authorship is that this kind of disruption disturbance of peace is always some form of miscreated self-authorship believing we have to do something when <laughs> you know uh, there in, in fact behind it is um, you know, and maybe the only thing to do that can heal it is to start with acceptance. I I believe that, you know, acceptance is the goal of forgiveness. If you can't really accept it, then it really is calling for forgiveness, acceptance of the atonement. And... uh that's for our so it it I think it the deep and heavy ones resolve in in threes, right? That there's this trinity that can be made one between self, other and God, or self, the world and God. And that there is 
another way of looking at the world where and and myself in the world where God holds the whole thing and the alignment of the will is to seek that way to accept it. If nothing else is a lesson God would have me learn and I'm complete. Fantastic. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was really, really yeah. good. Thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. That was great. Hi, this is Diane. Um, I've been thinking, you know, a lot about the um, what comes down to this. I think the trouble that most of us have, you know, talk, you know, I'm talking really about myself, is when we are born and we uh, create this ego, you have to think about, there's a lot of time and space from the time I was born to, you know, standing here at 69 years old. And when I was born, I, I, the thought of myself being separate from my mom, you know, was, I'm not my mother, you know, I'm my own person here as a little kid running around, you know, and the concept then going out a little bit further, I'm not only separate from my mom, I'm separate from this God concept, and there begins the void, you know, the distance, the time that we put between ourselves and God, Um, and there's a lot of undoing there to accept, you know, and, and, and lean on Holy Spirit to say, I, I don't know who I am anymore because, and I don't know what any of this means. I mean, I can, you know, my car can break down and I think I know what to do, you know, how to fix it, but I don't know anything. The point is, that's just my perception of things. If I trust Holy Spirit to know better, to lead me to maybe the right shop or something, if I'm just open to Holy Spirit's guidance, because the truth is I don't know. And I think this lesson and the past years are kind of bringing that, you know, kind of bringing that up in me. Um, I'm complete. Thanks for that. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Diana. That was lovely. This is Fran. Uh, Since this section is on judgment, we had in the earlier call, the lesson call, we read a couple of paragraphs from the manual, Relinquishment of Judgment. And I thought if it was okay, I'd read one of the paragraphs. Is that okay? Yes, please. Okay. I love it. It's so good. (laughs) He says, remember how many times you thought you knew all the quote-unquote facts you needed for judgment and how wrong you were? Is there anyone who has not had this experience? Would you know how many times you merely thought you were right without ever realizing you were wrong? Why would you choose such an arbitrary basis for decision-making? Wisdom is not judgment. It is the relinquishment of judgment. Make them but one more judgment. It is this. There is someone with you whose judgment is perfect. 
He does know all the facts, past, present, and to come. He does know all the effects of his judgment on everyone and everything involved in any way. And he is wholly fair to everyone. Therefore, lay judgment down, not with regret, but with a sigh of gratitude. I'm done. <laughs> I love it. So, what chapter was um, it's on the It's in the manual. It's in the manual. It's called in the manual at the end. Be past the. Uh, I think oh. it's past the workbook. I'm not sure. But it's okay. uh, relinquishment of judgment. I'll look Legal. it up. Okay, thank you. It's, yeah, it's section, you. 10. section ten. Section ten. Section ten. In the yeah. How is judgment relinquished? Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's so perfect. I want to read just a bit more of paragraph five there. Therefore, oh, lay judgment down, not with regret but with a sigh of gratitude. Now you are fr- now are you free of a burden so great that you could merely stagger and fall down beneath it. And it was all illusion, nothing more. Now can the teacher of God rise up unburdened and walk lightly on. And there's more, but yeah. <laughs> That relates so well to the to the what's the line in today's reading? You have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourself and your brothers totally without judgment. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's great! That's a great. I love that. That section or that uh, page on relinquishment just just a minute it tells me that true wisdom is not good judgment it's the relinquishment of judgment and I remember the first time that that landed I mean really landed in my mind and heart it was like wow you know that's the opposite of all my conditioning since I became a thinking person. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm complete. Thanks for that. I, I'm still trying to find this because I want to find it. You're saying this is in the manual for teachers, the manual? Manual yeah. for yes. Section 10. Manual for Teachers, Section 10. Okay, is there a page to that? I'm, I'm just trying to... 23. 23. Okay. Thank This is Patricia. I want to say the joy of uh, this learning. An example right there, page 23 and 1026. 
and the freedom to have it and nowadays. Good morning, Stan. And all day. Instead of or. or I'm really trying to grab all of the lessons that parallels to the one I have to be teaching in two days. Uh-huh. Oh. Go ahead, Patricia. Well, I just, it was in the living moments, and I thought it's fun to share what we're experiencing right now in the, 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 the actual living of it. And it was this ripple of tickles through my body. And then um, it's like a little ego character that rocks back in the rocking chair laughing with, and you know, we used to feel kind of bad that we may have said page 23 when that was the wrong number, and my ego's just laughing and laughing nowadays because she's free of any kind of either or because more is so much more fun. So, you know, heaven and hell, to be and not to be. It's winter right now, and there's a summer in me as well. It's so beautiful and freeing and real, and many times terrifying to live this way, because what I notice in this next empty moment and the next empty moment to be filled by God alone and not what anyone thinks of me, not even what I think of myself. The end of the day isn't measured by what occurred. It's measured by me waiting before I go to sleep and look at my day and where was their love in it. There could have been a thousand failures that day, but the ability, the freedom to only have one question is, where was their love in it? And thank you, my God. Let me sleep now for you to bring me another day and another day. And no one outside me is the judge when I'm only answering to God alone. No justifying anymore. You know, I do poetry, guys, and writing lots and lots of writing. And what is so beautiful now is the ability for it to be totally not me and totally me meaning just give it all and then let it go because it's only coming through us. And I get to feel that so beautifully just now with that page 23 and page 1000 and the other pages. Every difference is more of God rather than a measurement of right and wrong. And it's just absolutely the most challenging thing. And I'm so glad to be here. 
living through this is Christ and everyone here. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah, thank you, Patricia. There's a line from A Course of Love that I think is helpful in this thing of uh, of uh, trying to accept everything. It's, it's, I don't think he's asking us to accept the changes we would, we've made or we were tempted to make in, in ourself or in the world, in our perception. Um, but to accept that we made it, made those decisions, those judgments about the way things are. So, um, he says it very succinctly as, I'm not asking you to accept what you do not like. I'm asking you to accept that you do not like it. And then, then, you know, the difference between the authority that establishes, established the kingdom of heaven and the authority that we claim in defining our self or our relationship to it is is clear. And we're left with what we create and learning how to <laughs> found that on acceptance rather than rejection is possible at that point. If we, you know, don't have to accept what we don't like, but accept that we don't like it first and look at that um, rejection, which is inherent in the second. I'm complete. Oh, thanks for that. That was good. Thank you. Hi, this is Ina. Patricia. Excuse. Oh, it's not Patricia. How are you? Go ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead, honey. Thank you, dear. Um, well, what you just said, Lemoy, reminds me of the prayer from AA, accept the things I cannot change, etc. Right? Courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference. That prayer, even though I haven't been an official member of AA, that 
prayer has stood me in good stead now for a long time, as well as the teachings of the Course and some other teachings. But I'm looking for not what to say, but actually how to do what it is I say, how to accomplish it, except the things I cannot change. Sometimes it takes me a while, a, a little while of uh, maybe a whole day or whatever of hating people if I get frustrated enough and they treat me badly enough and uh, before I can accept the things I cannot change and go back to forgiveness, you know, and maybe even love. Thank you very much. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yeah, because when you know that if you try to talk to somebody about it, it's just going to turn into an argument. It's not going to make things better. You, It'll just make things worse so you don't try to talk to them about it. That's a situation I've been in a lot uh, in my life. Um, I had to learn to keep my big mouth <laughs> shut. Like my father, the dentist, used to say, Sometimes he asked us to open your mouth. Sometimes he said, keep, open your big mouth. And sometimes he wanted us to keep it shut. But anyway, um, thanks again. <laughs> oh, I love it. Keep your big mouth shut. That is so good. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think this relates to, you know, what, what we can change is our view or how we see things. Can't really change anyone else's mind for them. They too have free will. And the attempt, if it's if we're running into some kind of defense that is that they have, the attempt to try to change their mind can easily just turn into more practice and their defense and and get the you know, the same or a redoubled projection back. And, and uh, you know, what the Course says, <laughs> this, is, this is all outside the true authority. And so it's not real. Anyway, so it's, uh, it could be very tiring. <laughs> right? And... Uh, I think granting, you know, if people are bound by their view, imprisoned, we're imprisoned by our view of the world, that to let people have it reinforces the freedom. Let people have their view. You know, don't try and wrestle it from them. Then it, it enhances the freedom that's always available for them to see things differently. And I'll stop there. I'm complete. Yeah. Perfect. Thank I met you. some people. Thanks. I met some people in my life who think that I'm sort of a bad guy. Too bad, too unconscious, too hurt, too depressed, whatever. They don't want to associate with me. Or if they associate with me in the past, they don't want me to come back and try it again. They don't want to associate with me anymore in the in the present time. And that hurts. And I have to, you know, 
it either hurts or I get mad about that stuff. But I have to just do what the Course says and ask the Holy Spirit for help, for example, and to forgive and to move on and be in the present time and forget about this past, especially if there's people in the past that want to forget about me. <laughs> Thanks again. Of course, I don't think I'm a bad guy. I think I'm wonderful. <laughs> At least I can love myself to some extent, which is a good thing because if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody, right? So, Right. I think you're wonderful too, Ida. <laughs> Thanks, Fran. Me too, Ida. Wendy. Thank God at least my sister loves me and my kids love me and my kids forgave me for abandoning them in a sense when they were fairly young, which I didn't really mean to do, but it seemed to work out that way. At least it could work out that way. If somebody judges it, they could use that word, but I really wanted to be with them, but I couldn't actually be with them very much for a while. They forgave me for that, so I'm really grateful but I still have a good relationship with him. I'm complete. Good. It sounds like <laughs> learning what the world is for. It's for healing. You know, the lady that wrote the book about what your physical symptoms mean in your life, heal your life. Oh, Louise uh, Hay, she wrote that if you have trouble with your heel, <laughs> if, if you're in need of healing, <laughs> I think she wrote that. If I were her, I would have wrote that. <laughs> in the book, It's although it's so obvious, right? 
incomplete. Oh, that's funny. Thank you. Well, um, <laughs> I I am not one to really be eager to interrupt the shared silence. <laughs> and, you know, maybe not the... <laughs> I, I don't know how to say, but, you know, the letting the uh, teaching in the text and the practice of the lesson um, do its work. But uh, just uh, just want to note this, that we're down to five of us and... Um, uh, and I'm not. I I won't call anybody out. I don't even want to identify anybody except uh, Brandon and I are here. And uh, floor is open. And yeah, now there's six of us, and I'll repeat, the floor is open. <laughs> I had to leave uh, Lemoyne. I just came back. I have this angel that does my grocery shopping for me. <laughs> so that's where I was. So I don't know where the conversation was when I left, but I'll catch up. Oh, I have to say goodbye too. I'm sorry. I feel bad doing it now. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, friend. <laughs> okay, I have to go pick up my husband <laughs> at the work. All right, see you guys. See you Monday. Love you. Bye, friend. Bye, friend. Thanks again for bye, the please. lesson. Oh, bye, you're welcome. Bye, bye.
Somebody's at the door. I'm going to have to ring off, too. Okay, you guys. See you Monday. Love you. Bye. Farewell, Wendy. Bye-bye, Wendy. Boy, they're dropping like flies. (laughs) (laughs) More later. You know, when I think about the authority problem, um, what comes to mind is, (laughs) what is that theology which says, um, or I don't know what philosophy or theology or religion, that um, says I am God and you don't exist? It's, It's saying that nothing exists. You know, it's it's kind of like um, a misinterpretation, at least in my opinion, <laughs> a misinterpretation of um, A Course in Miracles because they are in course groups, you know, but um, one time someone said that I don't exist and I just typed back then, why are you talking to me, you know, <laughs> if I don't exist? And um, I could I could never get my mind wrapped around that whole philosophy of because um, I always think of wholeness and oneness as being inclusive, um, uh, you know, including everyone and everything within it. Um, it's like a shared identity and a, and a shared experience and. Uh, the unity of it is is kind of what defines its wholeness, and so anyhow, I just throw that out there. I don't even know what I'm talking about because I can't put Asha. It begins with an A, and uh, but I can't say it. Anyway, I'll shut up. Yeah, I mean, the way I understand, this is the mind, the way I understand that kind of thinking, I mean, I can see how people extract it or end up there from reading the course. But I think it's a it's a fundamental misunderstanding. This is what happens in a pure belief in separation. <clears throat> it's like it uh, to me this this section there's a lot of humor in this section he's kind of poking poking us gently that you know you believe some stuff that's self-contradictory here right but i think it is the natural extension of a pure belief in separation that we must have created ourselves <laughs> and that everything else then is either my creation, right, or it's just a dream of, of uh, and that's what the Course would say. I mean, if you're looking at it from a pure view of separation, you are dreaming, right? That um, just the view from within time, it was 
you know, here before and be here after I'm in a body. But that doesn't mean there isn't a through line, which has always been present, um, always was and always will be, and so must always be here now. And that that is, if that is given to be the realm of God, then that is um, what to will for, as in will ye first the kingdom of heaven. That do you not only know what I, it says, it says, will ye first the kingdom of heaven say that? And you have said, I know that I am, and I will accept my own inheritance. <clears throat> but it also entails this statement that I know that I am, and that I did not create myself to understand that there is a a greater whole which each and every living being is a part of, an essential part of, and that we were we're all most definitely related in that way. And uh, it's uh, that time, and I will end the recording at that on that, but not the call. And uh, thank you all for being here and sharing. Even thank you, Lemoyne. I'll say especially the sharing in silence.